My name is Kelsey, but you can call me Kels, and you are listening to the Queer in Alberta podcast. What's your story? What's your sign? It's like we're twin flames in a different life. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Queer in Alberta, the podcast where I interview two LGBTQIA plus Albertans to share their stories. My name is Kels. I am a queer Filipino-Canadian using she-her pronouns, and I live on Treaty 7 territory here in the city of Lethbridge, Alberta. Now, speaking of Lethbridge, before we get into today's episode, I have a really exciting announcement for folks living in the city or in the surrounding communities here in southern Alberta. Besties, I would love to formally invite you, actually not formally, I would like to invite you to an event that the Galt Museum and Archives is hosting on Friday, August 11th from 7 to 9 p.m. Hey besties, I am here to correct a mistake. As you can see, I have highlighted that the event is actually from 6 to 9 p.m., not 7 to 9. Please do not show up an hour late. This was not very slay of me. Thank you. Resume our regular programming. I have had the amazing opportunity to work with the museum to host a almost advanced screening of Queer in Alberta season one that I've been working on for Telus Story Hive. But if you come to the museum on Friday, August 11th, you will have the opportunity to see two of these episodes that I've been working on for the past year in advance, about a month before anyone else will in Canada. It's going to be an amazing night because not only will those episodes premiere, but we will have two drag performers, one of which I will give you a hint has been on this show and interviewed before. Lots of opportunities for photos. I'm hoping it's going to be a queer community social night, mingling, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. And I would just love if you came out to the museum for a night of celebrating queer joy and all that we have as a community here in this province. Hope to see you there. It is um, free. It's free. Oh my God, I should make sure to really emphasize that. So bring all your friends, bring your family. It's just going to be a great night and I cannot wait to see you and meet you. Like, come say hi. So now getting to today's episode, we actually talked to Lex Schmidt, who uses they, them pronouns and lives in Calgary, Alberta. Lex had reached out to me a long, long time ago. Sometimes when people email me and I can't get back to them for a few months, What they want to talk about has the opportunity to shift and change, or maybe they come to a different realization about their gender and sexual identity from when they first reached out. This is exactly what happened with Lex, and so it was really cool for me to have this conversation that was supposed to start in one place, but ended up going somewhere totally different just because of the things that had happened in Lex's world since they had reached out. I will say we do talk a little bit about politics in this episode, and I want to put up a big disclaimer right here. I studied anthropology. Um, I am no political scientist. I am no expert, and that's something that we always remember when we're in conversation. These are just the perspectives of myself and of Lex. They are not indicative of the whole queer community, of all of Calgary. These are just Some things that two people living in Southern Alberta have seen and decided to share in conversation together. Throughout the episode, Lex really shares some of the individual ways that they take up space in Calgary and the ways that you can stand up for what you believe in. I also really appreciated their conversation on the importance of queer elders and about what we can do 
to be affirming and supportive of our trans siblings within the community. It was so great to get to chat with Lex and I did get to meet them in person in Calgary at newbie night of all things. I gotta tell you though, it's really quite something to meet someone for the first time in drag. I feel like we need to have a whole other introduction because my drag persona is a little different from my day to day. I really hope you enjoy Lex's episode and perspectives speaking from Calgary, Alberta and to what you can do as an individual person to take charge, to take up space and to assert who you are. Hi, I'm Lex Schmidt from Calgary, Alberta. I use they, them pronouns, and I am a recently graduated uh, student working in the film industry here in Calgary. Yeah, yeah, when I first reached out, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I was 21, I'm 22 now, so it's been at least a couple <laughs> months. And seeing just the the kind of rhetoric that's been changing around specifically trans issues in Calgary and outside has really kind of readjusted my viewpoints. In Calgary, it's a big city, and so you don't really have as much, like, vocal homophobia and transphobia and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then you work downtown for a year and a half. <laughs> I don't know, for me, it's been less about taking that in as a rise and more so of like also noticing with that the community that's kind of come together to to tear down posters when they come up and scratch out slurs. Because I work about a block from one of two gay bars in town. I don't know. I don't know if you're from Calgary or where in Alberta you're from. Twisted I am Element. I'm from Calgary. Yeah. So Twisted Element is the big gay bar here and I work about a couple blocks from there. So around there, you see a lot of people tearing down like anti-gay and and a lot of white supremacy stickers have been cropping up in downtown Calgary. It's been like a really collective effort that I've seen from other people kind of stopping that and, and nipping it in the bud so that people who are affected by that don't have to see it in their home and their city that they like live in. So I myself, I bought a roll of 500 pride heart stickers, just been putting them up over top of them. I have a buddy who carries around Sharpies and it's just big collective action from even people that I don't know. It's not great to hear about this kind of really negative or whether it's homophobic or racist kind of rhetoric, like you say, cropping up mm -hmm. in the city, but how fast people are kind of mobilizing in like a grassroots on the ground manner. Like oh, yeah. you going out of your way to buy stickers, to actively combat this. You did that so naturally. And I think that's really cool. I don't like seeing it around either. So it's been a mm -hmm. very huge um, team effort, I guess, to to kind of build that, that uh, I guess, just voice within within the city. And it goes all the way from just like everyday people to like people in government who are disavowing this. We had a lot of like anti-mask protests too. And that kind of led into all of the other stuff that's been cropping up. But then you have the silent majority who's going out of their way to, to make it stop, which has been something that's really inspired me to do it in the first place. Coming from my like anthropological perspective, this is just my own guess, but we have been so polarized in the last few years, even before the pandemic. If you look mm -hmm. at politically, what happened in the United States when Trump was elected in, a lot of commentary and dialogue and social commentary in particular that would have been unacceptable previous was suddenly legitimized by that figure mm -hmm. in power. And it emboldened a lot of people that maybe quietly harbored those more harmful or discriminatory views against others, it emboldened them to bring them into a public kind of platform and onto a public stage. So you add something like the pandemic, which inevitably became so politicized, the freedom convoy, that's kind of how that bandwagon started, in my opinion. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a lot of too with 
Um, with the pandemic, we were so isolated from the people that we would have regularly interacted with at school and at work mm-hmm. and within the communities that people were able to kind of create more of a bubble within their own viewpoints. But it's been really good to see people coming together throughout that. What I find really inspiring and gives me hope is, again, that piece of like taking action and taking a stand against it. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was something else you said that related to your first submission, but it's escaping me. Let me think. Um, I can. Oh, uh, having queer role models, probably. Yes, that's exactly what it was. I was Mm -hmm. really like, (laughs) I understand where you're coming from, because when I was 21 or 22, I also felt like I had a late start with coming into my queer identity. But now at the age of 26, I'm like, oh, that is still so young, right? So I think it's really interesting to hear about how you just really want to be such a role model. Yeah, I mean, definitely like coming out super young and having that Mm -hmm. experience. It wasn't even like I didn't, I wouldn't say that I came out. I was more like I got clocked by everyone who knew me and all at the same (laughs) time they were like, being gay is a choice, but it's not your choice. It's mine. You are gay. Ooh. And they were right. Uh-huh. But <laughs> it was <laughs> they a were lot correct. of like, you know, you go through the baby gay phase of like, I'm wearing rainbows everywhere. I had the worst, mm-hmm. the worst haircut you've ever seen in your life. They used to call me to the love it. child of Sharon Osbourne <laughs> and Justin Bieber. But um, trying to to formulate an identity when, when you've just found out that you felt like, I don't know, I grew up feeling fundamentally different because I was always like, I mm. guess I'll have a crush on this boy now. I'm going to just try and me? say it enough times. Yeah, right? Yeah. If maybe if I say it enough, it'll become true. I can gaslight myself <laughs> into heterosexuality. But yeah, I was like the first to come out in a lot of friend groups. And so was kind of the the person who a lot of people came to with questions. But meanwhile, mm. I had so many questions myself, which is nice because then I have people who I'm like, okay, I'll answer yours. And also here's 10 more that I've been sitting on for years. But I feel Mm -hmm. like it would have been really helpful to have some more adult role models who were like just in the community and, and not celebrities, just normal people. And to have that kind of, I don't know, for me, it was less of like, I need someone to learn how to formulate my identity. from. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. It was less of that and more like, I would love there to be proof that a happy long life is possible with whatever the hell I've got going on. Yes. Because right? you don't see that a lot mm-hmm. when you're young and then you have a really hard time visualizing it for yourself, like a long-term, stable, white picket fence kind of life, if that's what you're looking for. Now growing up and like having friends who I consider to be role models for me within within the community who are my age mm-hmm. and just that's nice. being able to, to really dig into the roots and... and have a community that loves to teach each other and learn from each other and just share experiences. It's been such like a, a great change to see. I'm just smiling so much on the other side of the screen because your experience, like I'm sure there definitely have been challenges that we'll get into and unpleasant moments, but it sounds so just positive and supportive. And one thing in your submission that kind of connects to this is that you wanted to talk about the tight knit community here in Mm -hmm. Alberta of queer people. That's something like just not feeling like a part of community. That's Mm -hmm. something that so many people who have emailed me or commented on my TikToks are expressing that even if they're in Calgary, they don't know where to start or they feel like they're the only person. Absolutely. And it's not even reaching out to specifically queer spaces. It's just kind of mm-hmm. putting yourself out there and and meeting yes. up with people and doing the things that you're passionate about. Because odds are, like, let's be real here. 
there's gay people everywhere. <laughs> if you're into there sports, are. there will be people in sports. If you're mm-hmm. into Dungeons and Dragons, that's everyone who plays Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I'm not kidding. But it's a <laughs> large portion. I'm kidding, but I'm not mm-hmm. kidding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm in a couple campaigns and I can count the amount of straight people on one hand. So yeah, it's just getting out there and, and really getting involved with the community at large. Like even with some really cool harm reduction organizations. They do a lot of work with with queer people as well in the queer community. And so things mm-hmm. like Street Cats YYC, if there's any like harm reduction agencies that you would like to volunteer with, that's like a great place to start as well. It's all about community mm-hmm. outreach for me. I don't know. I feel like it's such a good place to start because that's where the people who are really invested go is to to like the spaces where they're passionate about. And if you follow that passion that you have, whether it be like book clubs, writing groups, like there's so many opportunities that are just hiding beneath the surface. Oh, I so agree. And like what I've seen in my own experience is the more like open you are with your queerness or your identity in any facet, the more of a possibility that people are going to recognize that in you and Mm -hmm. then come and kind of like gravitate towards you. It's like a magnet effect where queer people just find one another. And when you have one queer friend, oftentimes they have tons of other friends and that's how you start building the circle of community. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I get like some people are really shy and like maybe people will be surprised about this, but I was terribly shy as a teenager. I know it can be intimidating, Mm -hmm. but if you really want to start finding that community, it's almost like you have to do it. And it doesn't have to be in big grand waves. It's as simple as just saying hi. Yeah, absolutely. And like even hell, if you go to like, let's say a queer movie night and don't talk to a single person, odds are they're at least you have some friendly faces now that if you see Mm -hmm. at another event or another space you have a topic of conversation immediately you're like oh you saw this movie and I can presume you're queer because of this event we were both at it's (laughs) yeah like the baby steps that lead you into the larger larger community and I feel like when you start that process you don't even realize how fast it can build up I can speak at least to the Calgary community I'm not sure how it is in Lethbridge or Edmonton or the rest of the Mm -hmm. province But a lot of the people here are really committed to lifting each other up and having like a good safety net. And 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 even if you're not friends with these people, like they like to know you. People love Mm -hmm. love being friendly with one another within our community. And I'm sure I know that's not a hard and fast rule. And obviously everyone's different. But for a large portion of that kind of interaction, it's just about having people around you that, you know, are safe people. I love that we've kind of built this baseline in our conversation about the positives of being queer in Alberta, because I want to share all stories and honor them good or bad. But I think that is such an important piece of representation for people to hear that there can be joy and fun and community by being gay or queer in this province. Absolutely. And that's been something that's been really like, I don't know, it's when bad things do happen, like it's really easy to be like, mm. oh, this is representative of my entire experience. But the of truth everyone. is for me, like it's not. I, I have so many more joyful and positive experiences through being queer and, and getting involved with my community. And even through those bad times, like the things that that get you through it are positives in and of themselves, right? Whether that's mm-hmm. personal 
personal reflection and, and kind of coping and, and growth on a, on an individual level, or if it's reaching out to your wider community and having support from others. One other thing that you mentioned you wanted to touch on more recently was the adversity that you're experiencing. So I have two questions for you. Mm -hmm. The first is what does that adversity look like and where is it coming from? And the second is with that kind of positive glass half full, how do you negotiate those experiences? The, the big one more recently has been just kind of the increase in anti-trans rhetoric as a non-binary person mm. who who is passing as just like a butch lesbian. Like I can easily, if if people don't ask, they don't assume that I'm male or or on the non-binary spectrum at all. The, the mm. anti-drag sentiments and the anti-trans sentiments and the laws in Florida yes. that have been passing and the, the very idea that people can be criminalized, like, charged for supporting their trans kids in certain states mm -hmm. is such like a horrifying idea to me because these laws aren't there to protect children like they're saying they are but for me it just kind of reignites the fight right it makes me want to to live louder it's it's something that's about kind of making the world as bright as you can for the people who are going to come after you for me and that's mm -hmm. been a really good like motivating factor I feel like I'm getting, of course, a snapshot of who you are, but the immediate thought is you are so secure in your sense of self and like taking up space and, and being proud. Where does that kind of strength come from to have like hateful rhetoric around you? And instead of being, you know, pushed maybe back into the closet or feeling fear, which is what the rhetoric wants, you instead are like, hey, let's take up arms. Let's be gayer. Like, how do you find that strength? Practice and spite. <laughs> yeah entirely practice answer. and spite because if, <laughs> like listen i'm gonna be here and if you don't want to mm -hmm. see it that's not my problem sorry sorry that you don't like <laughs> looking at gay people i'm sorry that you feel gay when looking at me i don't know what this is Ooh. but it's like it shouldn't affect mm -hmm. it's not i'm not gonna let someone else's insecurities affect how i present and again I that took that it took a long time to get there and that's not something that mm -hmm. people are gonna be comfortable doing immediately. No one person can come up with a solution, but in this next question, I guess it's kind of to start the conversation, whether it's with our mm -hmm. listeners or anybody else that sees this, but what are ways that we can kind of be strong allies within the community to our trans siblings? Yeah, you know what? That's been something that I've been kind of thinking about really recently. And I think the main thing that, um, that I would love to see as a trans person kind of speaking about this is just people standing by us and, and, and not mm. being afraid to be seen in trans spaces and, and, and interacting with the community and upholding trans voices and listening to, to them for what kind of things are needed in your individual community. Because the needs are different for every different place you go. Even within Calgary, different parts of the community, like the drag community is gonna need different support than than other trans people within the community. I'm counting drag under that umbrella just because of the fact mm -hmm. that it's been so connected with it that it's almost with that grooming rhetoric has become one and the same, unfortunately. And so that kind of thing, like showing up and standing up and, and being seen in those spaces and having a united front and obviously mm -hmm. any community outreach, any, any kind of just interacting with the community that you can do and learning from from trans elders and trans people who are coming up in, in your local scene is really important. I'm just remembering as you're speaking, 
that roll of rainbow hearts or whatever that you said you bought yeah. at the beginning of our talk here. Why didn't I think to do that too? Because if I go around and see these things posted on, you know, signs or whatever it have, whatever it may be in the city, I've always kind of looked at it and felt discouraged. But like, as they have the right to post that there, I have every right to post something that says for somebody else looking next time, you are loved or you are accepted, right? Exactly. And these are little things that we can do to begin that quiet resistance. And maybe Absolutely. not so quiet. Absolutely. That's been the big thing because I didn't even buy these with the intention to like put them up places. I bought them for pride. I mm -hmm. thought I was buying 50 and then they came and it was 500 and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> well done. And I just stuff them in my pockets whenever I see <laughs> that I'm out running low. I just rip off a bunch and there's been a bunch on like if you if you're in Calgary and you go down 8th Ave, the bike lanes and you see any. Hi. <laughs> Makes me feel a lot better, too just about like doing something small to be able to like resolve it in the moment if I can't like dismantle the whole system like I can get rid of one sticker and that'll that'll mm -hmm. make my day better because it's gone now <laughs> like mm -hmm. the, the small acts of resistance are so important mm -hmm. and that can even be whether it's stickers or just being visible but mm -hmm. I recently interviewed the CEO of my museum where I work because he's an openly gay man he actually marched in like the marches to support gay marriage equality in Canada when he was living in Vancouver. So he awesome. did the fighting and the activism, right? That's got us everything that we have today. Mm -hmm. And so something we talked about and, you know, the kind of shifting times we're in where things are a little scarier and rights are being debated. He told us that we really need to be vigilant. And I think that ties so much to like the quiet activism or just taking up space and being present mm -hmm. that you and I have been encouraging people to do in this conversation today. Yeah, so Calgary Public Library actually has a whole, like, they have a bunch of archive materials from Calgary's mm -hmm. history. And so that goes through, like, C-Train, Stampede, all of it. And that's where I found a lot of my information where I was, I was working on a documentary in school about it right yeah. before the pandemic. And so we were about to shoot and then everything shut down and that was that. Oh. <laughs> but the end. Um, yeah, the, I think the club here was called carousel sorry my typing is loud i have a mechanical keyboard yeah club Car carousel it was founded in 1970 and it was one of the most formative like queer spaces within the city really good film that i saw was called gross indecency and it's the story about everett kilpert who was or clippert who was the last man to be convicted of homosexuality when it was criminalized and it was in released canada in yes he was from calgary wow yeah. i did not know that yeah, it's an interesting story. The film came out in 2018 and it was yeah. really good. I love this resource sharing at the yeah, end of the episode, fun. but I think it's called either A Secret Love or something like that. It's Ooh. on Netflix and it's about two women who one I think was from Saskatchewan or maybe they both were, but they ended up relocating to Edmonton. And the um, series A League of Their Own is actually based on like their team and such yes, because they were on that own. same like baseball kind of swinging time swinging time my goodness but you know you know what I mean they played Absolutely. the baseball <laughs> yeah. I do sports but as we're closing up the episode this is the point where I like to give you the opportunity to share any social media or any cool projects that you're doing so that people can keep in touch with you if they would like yeah, so um, I'm kind of in between projects right now, but there is, I am a working screenwriter in, in Calgary. My Twitter is frozy dot, no, froze, frozy, and I'm frozy.ca on Twitter. That's P-H-R-O-S-E-Y, or TikTok, pardon me. Frozy.ca is the TikTok. And so you can find okay. me there. I, I post about 
media and I'm just weird about stuff online. So if you're ever looking Excellent. to get in contact with me, those are the best places. Sweet. All right. So everybody heard that. That's how you find Lex. And is there anything else that you were wanting to touch on? No, I just wanted to say thank you for having me and for all the work that you're you're putting into sharing these stories. It's really important. And I cannot wait to listen to the rest of these. It's been super cool. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to blush over here a little <laughs> bit. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Queer and Alberta and a massive thank you to Lex for their warmth and for their knowledge and even the resources that they were able to share with us at the end. I'm hoping I see so many of you at the Galt Museum and Archives on August 11th. It would really make my day if I got to see some of you there in person. And if you're enjoying the series, it would also mean a lot to me if you would take the time to leave a review on Spotify or wherever you may be listening or tuning in from. As always, I hope you are feeling proud and celebrated and loved for who you are today. No matter where you're listening from, whether it's Alberta, somewhere else in Canada, or somewhere else across the world. I'll see you next time. 